welcome to the first Being Human interview. This week, I am talking to the amazing Aileen Gonzalez about her method and her <laughs> new book, The Aileen Gonzalez Method. Aileen is an amazing theatre director, works with the Royal Shakespeare Company, King's Head, all sorts of amazing theatre companies, has her own company, Butterfly, and also teaches at RADA, which is where we met. And she managed, I was one of those classic people that did O-level Shakespeare, and she completely managed to turn me around from feeling that Shakespeare was something I couldn't relate to at all. Within about 20 minutes, I was loving Shakespeare, something that no one else had managed to do. So I'm really, really happy to have our first interview today with Aileen. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. How are you, Gaynor? Very happy to be here. Yeah, good, thank you. So the first question I've got for you is, how did you first fall in love with Shakespeare? Oh, God, well, oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I fell in love with Shakespeare when I was uh, 15, I think, 15. I had a brilliant English teacher at school, Mrs Lillington, who I still see, which is brilliant. She comes and sees my shows. Um, but it was playing Puck in A Midsummer Night's Dream. And it was in our school, you know, drama school, drama, drama classes. And the teacher was like, right, we're doing, we're going to do with Shakespeare. And I was cast as Puck. And it was a really interesting story, actually, because I remember thinking my best friend Sophie was cast as Hermia. And I was distraught. I was so jealous because she's very pretty. And I was like, why are they casting me as the weird one? So I was like furious about that for ages until I realised what an amazing part Puck was. And I absolutely just fell in love with it. It was kind of, it feels really easy to me. It feels really, um, it felt effortless. And I just loved that it gave me a way of expressing all this energy that was inside me uh, with words. So I just, I don't know why, but I've absolutely been devoted to it ever since. And then we studied Henry IV part one Mm -hmm. And I remember, and I thought that every character was me. That was what was interesting. And I couldn't get over how every character was going through whatever dilemma I was going through at the time of looking at it. You know, Romeo and Juliet, I was, I was Juliet. Then I was Prince Hal. Then I was Puck. It was like... So what do you think that is so special about Shakespeare? This is a really difficult question. Do you know, I find that quite an easy question. I think oh, it is... There the... you go. <laughs> I need to <laughs> study with you more. <laughs> I think it's because I just think he absolutely gives actors expression for what they're feeling or anyone who acts it. You get to express the emotions, the huge emotions that we all feel. Suddenly you have these words. So instead of just swearing and blindly to describe things good or bad, it's the only language I have now, Shakespeare gives you all these words, all these consonants, all this expression. And in a way you express more. He, he connects you to your feelings that are your internal feelings you're able to express them in external words you, you know what, what has working with Shakespeare taught you about your own psyche your own emotions your own life I guess literally every stage of my life and that's why I always want people to have access to Shakespeare because I think god if you don't have access to this it's like a working bible you know I literally mean at every stage of my life you know uh, you know sort of when you kind of worried about a first boyfriend and breaking up with someone then you're jealous you've got a fellow you've got every single play has all character has something that you can relate to immediately 
and find a connection to. And, you know, you say in real life, we say, oh, it's good to a problem shared is a problem halved or whatever it is, you know, and you go, actually, that person is going through the same thing as me and maybe it's not so bad, gives you perspective. Yeah. Shakespeare gives that perspective across the gamut of emotions, you know, all emotion. So when was your first professional um, debut or did you act, did you direct? Do you remember your first professional show when you created? Yeah, so I, I trained at Central uh, and did the BA3, a BA course in the 90s, beginning of the 90s. And um, my first professional show was actually Maid Marian in Robin Hood. Um, it's Nuffield Theatre, Southampton. But I'm just trying to think of my first Shakespeare. I wonder if I can't even place that. That's ridiculous. Oh, I definitely did a Shakespeare in. Yes, this is interesting, actually, Gaynor, because maybe this is why I've always been obsessed by site specific stuff. But it was in the grounds of one of the Oxford colleges. And again, it was Midsummer Night's Dream. And this time I was Hermia. Oh, no, what am I talking about? My first professional production of it was in the caves in Kent's Cavern. Um, this is down this, in Devon, you were telling me about. No, yeah, no. this is down in Devon, down in Devon. And that's where I then. Actually, that was my first not professional production. That was when I was 17. A school teacher took us down there. We did Macbeth in the caves, um, site specific. We didn't even know that was such a word, you know, and we just did it promenade around the caves. And I was so precocious that I said to myself, when, I, when I'm grown up, I'm gonna have my own company and do it properly. <laughs> I was so outraged at how it wasn't being done properly. And so what I did 10 years later, I went back there and we've done 10 years in Kent's Cavern annually um, with Shakespeare. And we've got a whole following down there. And it was the start of our site specific work as a company that I went to run a company called, I run a, a company called Butterfly Theatre. And we do site specific Shakespeare in extraordinary locations around the world. What's the most amazing location you've ever done it in? Or do you still love those caves? <sighs> It's the caves. Those caves, they're, un they're so old. We're actually being interviewed for the Globe Theatre on Shakespeare's birthday to celebrate Earth Day, which is this thing about the environment. And they're really excited because, of course, it's rare to have a company that does plays in caves. And, and, we, and, and it's just so fascinating to do Shakespeare in the natural environment. We do Midsummer Night's Dream in an ancient woodland, Puzzlewood in the Forest of Dean. You, there's nothing like Puck really flying through the trees. Yeah. Nothing like it. You're actually in a wood. Everyone's lost. You know, it's sort of extraordinary because you realise how the language is so evocative of nature. You know, it's in everything that's said. You know, stones have been made known to walk and trees to move. You know, it's those kind of, those, those, ah, oh, it's brilliant. You, you those words suddenly echo when you're in the caves. So you mentioned that you think that all children need access to Shakespeare. Why do you think that? Because it gives them a chance to express the emotions that they're feeling inside them, particularly teenagers, but any young, young, young kids are brilliant at it because they love the language and they have no reverence for it and they don't care what anything means. And so they just love this extraordinary language that's in their mouths. You know, I do a brilliant thing where we do swearing using, um, fruit and strawberry fruits and vegetables so we get them into it that way and they're going strawberry strawberry and they could only use the word strawberry and then you have, then you put a kind of a bit of alliteration so you say well what's that like for so those stupid strawberry stupid strawberry and then you give them a shakespeare insult from you know any play quite frankly but you know then they just absolutely understand this thing of the emotion and well it's the big thing of the consolvis method really that it's not all about the words 
it's actually about the 93% of behavior and tone of voice under the words. Right. So it's really interesting because the words, you know, are just 7% of communication. You know, that's a quote about communication that um, this man studied, Meher Ebrin. And it's when emotions are at their absolute peak, you know, when you're having a conversation that's heightened, these percentages kick in, which is 7% of what we say is what we communicate, but 55% is body language and 38% is tone of voice. And so, you know, that's what I look at. And so even when it's Shakespeare, it's 7%. That's so before we just run into, into your method, let's go back to the birth of the method. When did you realise that your approach was different to others? Um, really pretty early on. Um, yeah, when I, I suddenly, I suddenly realised that I was... I was, I'm just checking something in there. Yeah, I, I, it's when I realized that I was, um, <sighs> in these environments, you know, at drama school, I, I read, I did a brilliant training at Central, very traditional training, and that's fine. And then I realized that I, I realized that I was suddenly not quite on the same page as other people you know it wasn't truthful what i realized is it wasn't truthful all this stuff that i was seeing and seeing all around me and i thought well I, everyone's going on about hedda gabler and this that and the other and these shows are not touching me at all and i'm so in my head when i'm acting what again emotionally they weren't touching you they, they weren't, weren't really feeling anything. um i read david mamet's true and false and if you don't know that book, go and get it. It's really short and it's really life changing. Simply, if you don't agree with it, it's life changing. If you do agree with it, it's life changing because it's so provocative. It's really short. And if any students out there, you get really good quotes in it. So I highly recommend reading it. But his famous thing that he said in that book and that caused so much controversy was there's no such thing as character. Right. And that was, he was one of the first people to state that so blatantly. And what does he mean by that? You know, he says a character is what a character does. So that was kind of interesting. And it's and he kind of questioned all the looking back and researching and reading and saying what they have for breakfast. He questioned all of that. Questioned drama schools, questioned all the training. You know, he's quite so outrageous. But I read that book and I went out and bought five copies for my friends and I posted it to them. Can you imagine anything more bizarre? And I said to them, I'm, I'm doing this because I will be talking about this for the rest of my life and you need to know what it will be that I'm just talking about. And I literally haven't stopped since then. That's 30 years ago. Wow. I know it's been obsessively, you know, it led me down the road of finding Meisner. Because basically uh, David Mamet, uh, you know, talked about things and he was influenced very heavily by Meisner, Meisner Sanford Meisner. And, and there was one guy in England doing it at the time, Scott Williams and Mike Bernardin, these two brilliant teachers who just ran classes in this kind of underground bunker of the Troubadour Cafe. We literally thought we were creating an underground revolution in acting. I saw, I don't even know the repetition exercise game in, in Meisner's I, technique. Yeah. For those who don't know, just give us a brief intro to my, I can't, and you can't give a brief intro to Meisner, but have a go. I actually can, because Meisner, thank God, had one sentence that encapsulates the whole method, 
which is you can't say ouch until you've been pinched. Right. That's it. Acting is reacting. It's the phrase we all bandy about, but nobody actually does. And so he trains you to do acting is reacting. And that's what I understood. I saw this exercise of people literally saying, you blinked, I blinked, you blinked, I blinked, like nutcases. Yeah. And I just went, wait a minute, I'm feeling a huge amount of emotion watching this. And it's changing. I'm, I've uh, had the realization that I felt what these two actors felt the second that they felt it. And I thought, God, surely that's no one had taught me at drama school that our only job, I believe, and I now teach, is to make the audience feel something real. So how exactly with your method, differentizer, do you make them feel something real? I don't actually. Meisner is the gift, the real gift that I build everything on, that repetition exercise. And I do work with other actors who don't do Meisner and I train them in, particularly in my slight way of trying to get close to that, replicate that exercise. But it's such a genius exercise that I thought, fine, just do that. So I do a bit of that. And then it's really, he said, that's living truthfully. That connection is living truthfully. And the next phrase he said was under a given set of circumstances. Problem is, is no one quite is able to do that. So we can all live truthfully and bounce around and be really organic, but it's completely nothing to do with the play. So people have a real problem with Meisner actors traditionally because they can go off tangent very easily. And I said, right, well, I need to create some conditions, some circumstances that hold this living truthfully. But the magical thing that I did is I created five given circumstances, called them five conditions that are rooted in forcing you to look at the other person in order to see if it's working. And so I actually created given circumstances that tie you into looking at the other per person, tuning into them, not necessarily looking. So what are those conditions? So there's five of them, and you'll recognise some of these words, but there's like an emotional prep, which is how you feel before you come on the stage, um, objective, stakes, what matters to the character, entitlement, why you deserve to get the thing you want, the objective, and the as if, which is, is banded, that's banded around a lot, but I've kind of built on Meisner's version of as if um, in a slightly different way and a little bit of Uta Hagen substitution in there. So I've cobbled together all my learnings from actually now decades of teaching and directing and training and come up with a really brilliant sort of replicable system that's really easy to teach. And I've got so much quicker at teaching it over the years. It's now, and, and now I've written this book, which is really exciting. So tell us more about the book. It's coming out in, this year on Bloomsbury, is that right? Yeah, Bloomsbury are publishing it. And it's part of the Arden Performance Shakespeare series, which is very exciting. And it's a whole new series about Shakespeare and, Shakespeare and Laban, Shakespeare and this, Shakespeare and that. You know, and so mine is Shakespeare and Meisner. So it's really quite an interesting title because you would never put those two names together. You know, I was told when I started out, what on earth are you doing Shakespeare for? Because uh, Meisner is associated with David Mamet stuff, fast stuff, Aaron Sorkin, all that kind of West Wing. Anybody who speaks fast, we all think they're doing Meisner acting. Meisner training is the massive training that's done in America. So Meisner training is most American actors do Meisner. You know, it's a recent thing to this country because it's emotional. You know, I think people are very scared of it over here. I think it's got a better reputation now. But starting out, I used to lie. I would never even say the M word. It was like the C word. I just didn't go near it. <laughs> I just didn't ever say what I did. Because people were absolutely terrified of this American technique. But I think it's now being taught now in most drama schools. I mean, I've taught it in loads of them, so I've infiltrated. Yeah. But yeah, it's, 
it's very it's a it's a way of people getting into connection first that's the way i sort of explain it interconnection with what with themselves with the play with this place with the time or with all of none them? of those things <laughs> <laughs> of all of those things and not, but firstly with the other actors with the other actors in connection with the other actors the phrase is see clearly respond honestly from your point of view that's what the repetition exercise is training the muscles of seeing clearly responding honestly from your point of view. So you need that point of view for a start. So it absolutely produces actors that are more connected to themselves, first of all, but have, are trained to have their attention off themselves. So they're connected to who they are as people, but then when they're playing a character, which of course all actors are doing, they're connected to their character. So they have the point of view of the character. So it's see clearly, respond honestly from your character's point of view. That's how we get there. So there's really quite, um, I'll be prepared to use the S word, quite a spiritual aspect of this, a, a, a mindful aspect of being present and being in the moment, would you say? Hugely. That is the core exercise. And I've only realised in the last five years that it is tied intrinsically to mindfulness because the whole mindfulness movement is about attention, training attention. And I'm like, oh, no, I've got a secret weapon in training attention here. And also, so I always sometimes, I'm, I've now started training as a mindfulness teacher, actually, because I've realized that I must bring these two things together because it's, it's so linked, it's ridiculous. But essentially, you're training yourself to notice moment to moment the other person's behavior and allow yourself to respond to it. And how do actors react to that more meditative approach, that more mindful approach to working in the room? I mean, what you get is a group of actors who are immediately bonded extremely quickly. And it gets through all the bullshit. You can't lie with this method. And it's very compassionate. It's very forgiving. It just accepts you're a human. And, and also, I couldn't have people having breakdowns. So it does, it's, though it's very emotional, my God, it goes up and down and up and down. The police sometimes get called to the house where we're, we're working because the level out police because they can hear someone in the street can hear people screaming with such rage that's happened twice absolutely hilarious because i open the door and go oh my god this is brilliant i didn't even talk to them properly i go follow me yes no no that's fine come in come in follow me because i know that they're going to walk in this room full of actors who hilariously are screaming in that moment as they're coming up the stairs they're still scream 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 and they open the door and it's gone and they're like oh Oh, sorry. And all these actors looking at the police. It's very funny. It's happened twice. <laughs> um, and it's because what the people outside can hear is real emotion. It is real. And now what I say is it's absolutely real in that moment. So with what you've learned from Shakespeare and with your method and with, you know, that work of the mindful approach, I know we've talked a lot about how almost all life is is like acting really we take on different roles with different people we meet at different times at different life stages so talk a bit more about your thoughts around your method and how you want to move it off the stage in inverted commas of the theater and more onto the stage of life well i mean i i taught the ma in acting at arts ed for four years and i worked with such brilliant young people and well i say young but from 18, what were they, 21 to 55, I think we had, amazing. But they were incredible and they had come from different walks of life and different jobs and things. And very soon really having worked in this way, I realized improving connection between human beings is actually my mission, 
not necessarily actors. The reason why it's so exciting with actors is because they, they magnify it and it helps give the example of what truthful connection can be in front of your eyes, because we actually don't see it anywhere, truthful connection. In our daily day-to-day -day lives, I always say we practice untruthful connection. 24 hours a day, someone shoves us you know, on a train platform and kind of bumps into us, we tend to say sorry. So that's not a truthful response, it's habitual response. And it keeps society moving and going, you know, that's fine. But you know, I always say Macbeth pushes somebody onto a track. You know, they have to have that, that, that level of truthful, immediate, you have to train that response in actors because we're so polite. My God, we're just so polite and restrained. So it's interesting what happens then, as you're training actors, you see them alter in their real lives. They become to be more authentic. I mean, I, I have a great passion for the idea, well, the fact that we're all unique on this earth. And that unique contribution is something that I feel is not being thought about enough because it's just a simple fact, but it's kind of extraordinary. Every person has something extraordinary to offer. And the more present they are, if you can match being present and being unique, you don't even have to think about being unique because you are, but you can match being present with that. You're quite an extraordinary force. And th those are the people I want to be helping communicate, have more connection with other people because then they can offer what they have to offer. So if you, had to look at different emotions. I'm just going to chuck a few at, at you. What can Shakespeare and your me method teach you about love? So first of all, that I think it's that your attention, because it's training, mostly it's training your attention outwards. So you train your attention outwards and you see the world. It, I, I mean, I just think you love the world as soon as you can see it. You know, it tunes you into your senses. It makes all of your senses awake, all of your senses. So it allows you to receive this world. And I think if we're present and we receive the world, you cannot help but feel love, you know, because it is so, I mean, what a world. It's just so extraordinary. You see the greenness of the trees. You hear those birds. We've all felt it this year. So I think in terms of that general state, of, you know, how we describe love, of, of being able to receive love, um, and it allows you to train yourself to respond fully. It's like being a toddler. It makes you like a toddler again. And who are the most loving creatures on this earth are toddlers because they do it without any guile, without any thinking. They just push you over, then they pick you up again, teaches you about love and forgiveness very quickly because I think it's moment to moment. So I think it allows you to sort of just go with, you can fully give someone a hug without having to think about, well, of course, we can't do that now at all. But, you know, it's this thing, even now, though, even now, you can see clearly and respond honestly from your point of view. And we, we are just now living truthfully under this new given set of circumstances. Nothing prevents us from loving. You know, we were able to... the darker emotions, whether it's jealousy or hatred? What do you think you learned? Oh, well, that's, they're just brilliant because it gives you permission. The method's all about permission. And I say very categorically, all the emotions I consider the same points is the way I say it. You know, especially for actors who seem to think that those darker emotions have got more points. And if they cry, that's like 20 points and everything else is three points. You know, it's, I think those emotions are the ones that sometimes we really find hard to access, but they're all in us somewhere. So as soon as your attention is over there, you're not censoring yourself and controlling and repressing your emotions. So actually I tell you, it's quite scary for an actor and you have to have a huge amount of trust in the people you're working with in the room. 
because you have to feel safe enough to fully let the other person affect you and you don't know how they're going to affect you because it's you know you're responding from your point of view which is made up from every single iota of your life up to this moment so you know somehow somebody triggers you you might really shout at them or you might really do anything but the point is when we get into those bigger emotions in the next moment they can make you laugh and the trick is as long as you keep your attention out because you don't go the reason i think we get emotional and hold on stuff is we tell ourselves stories the mindset of going oh why am i feeling that anger and you go in 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 you know and it's actually no you in, in the ref in the work you have to stay out You've always got a job to do. When you think about it, I mean, you know, in, in, in contemporary society in the Western world, it, it, we're obsessed with ourselves, right? All of yeah. us, completely obsessed with ourselves. Yeah. And, we, you know, we've had this idea that we have somehow got freedom and choice. And I mean, you know, pre-COVID. But, you know, we're all obsessed with our own sense of freedom, our own sense of choice. And it doesn't always make us all happier, healthier human beings. So I find your method really, really interesting because it's actually about paying attention and looking out to others and your environment rather than that sort of self-obsession that in a way then empowers you to be authentically yourself in a more honest and true way would you agree with that yeah i mean that's a brilliant description going i should nick it because yeah that's exactly <laughs> and, and what it does is it it makes you realize that every time you see a person what happens if you see them afresh because they are new as are you in this moment so in the same way we try and get actors to be moment to moment to moment to moment on stage, I think that's absolutely replicable to life. So I'm working with lawyers, doctors, teachers particularly, you know, and teachers in the classroom, especially at the moment, every time they hit that classroom, what if they were to say, it's not, it's not just unique as an individual, I believe that we're unique in time as well. You know, me and you are talking here now at half 11, at eight o'clock tonight, we are different unique people. Absolutely. You know, are we prepared to see? Yeah, it's absolutely true. The only thing we know is that we never, we never stay the same, and we're always no. changing. And always I mean, changing. Who understood aging, death, dying, change more than anyone? He understood it the most, completely. He really did, didn't he? And the thing is, he captured that idea of absolutely time. You know, it's 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 fleeting. It changes. Everything changes. I and I love his quote. You know, the thing of nothing is either good or bad. Only thinking makes it so. It's such a powerful quote that because you go, yeah, it keeps moving and changing. It's how we 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 lock things down with thought. Yeah, and it sort well, of spreads yeah. an idea of equanimity, which isn't a very um, popular contemporary word in a way for us to keep. Every, we we go through life, or I do, you know, it's good, it's bad, I like it, I don't like it, it's affected me well, it hasn't, or whatever, you know. And we don't actually yeah. ever develop those qualities of equanimity, which I think is in some way what you're developing within your method and your approach to just be present to whatever happens really yeah and, and then to be curious see someone taught me to read something recently which is very interesting if you thought about that whatever happens bad or good the thing that it triggers in you is actually curiosity mm. very interesting different way to live you get annoyed about something you go oh that's interesting. Yeah, literally. <laughs> that's interesting that's really you know, piss me off that's so interesting yeah. <laughs> and it's quite fun because you you suddenly realise it's. Um, I've recently started doing this thing in the evenings of writing an unpleasant moment that happened in the day, just an unpleasant moment, and I write down how it, the sensations in my body at that, if I can remember, and just any emotion that I was feeling, and then I do the same thing for a pleasant moment, and it's like it's my unpleasant pleasant moment calendar. It's quite interesting because you you it just makes you go oh. 
I mean, I'm starting to introduce some of this. I'll tell you what's exciting for me at the moment. You know, this method has been refined and refined. And I've refined it with Shakespeare. I talk about it now in the book. The book is Shakespeare and my coming out on Amazon 20 seconds and available now for pre-ordering, which is very exciting. But it's more that suddenly I feel like I'm pioneering something new with this mindfulness thing. Because actually I'm realizing that the application to real life people who deal with communication. You know, I've been talking to some doctors, they're doing Zoom calls at the moment. And it's like, I, you've got to be able to read who you're talking to. You know, it's such a basic skill that the actors all have that work in this way. It's quite easy to transfer it. So and it seems that you as well are a sort of tipping point personally or a pivot point personally with this book. In the future, what would you see as, obviously you'll carry on working in theatre, but what would you also see as being your sort of role for um, the planet, really, I guess? Well, I, as I said, I think we're all unique, um, which means I think we're all diverse. The whole world is diverse to an individual. So what skill do we need more than anything else for, in this world is the ability to communicate the ability to see clearly and listen authentically, respond with seeing and listening. Those skills are just off the scale important. If we are all different, which we are, you know, we've all got completely different points of view. So we need to be able to hear other sides, listen to others. The, the division in the world at the moment is so sort of extraordinary. You go, yeah, no, we have to do something about it now, you know, because it will only keep subdividing, dividing and dividing. So. It's going to be this moment where we go and realizing it that doesn't affect us what someone else is doing allowing everyone to have that different way of seeing the world no one can see the world like you see it that's what we can't quite accept because we feel that that separates us but what is the thing that joins us gainer is our emotion that's the thing that massively links us those cavemen of a million billion years ago or however many years it was you know and us we are joined by something really profound which is that we all laugh we all cry if you prick us do we not bleed you know if you tickle us do we not laugh really he really he really knew that so we'll just end there it's been really great talking to you and um, just if anybody wants to get hold of you what's the best website to go to to find everything um gonsalvismethod.com okay brilliant well thank you so much and um thank you gainer that's been brilliant that was yeah, lovely, lovely to talk to you thanks a lot